Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. back with another episode of Melting Off, the theater arts and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company here in beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota, where fall has fallen. It feels official. <laughs> and we got a full house today. I'm joined by my compadres, my partners in theater and crime, but we talk about that on the other podcast, the true crime podcast that shall not be named, Amanda Forster, Mari Sittner. Amanda, how are you? I'm fantastic, Kevin. Mari, how's it going? It's going good. Glad to be back for another great episode to talk about the play that no one on the radio got to hear. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, we evilly withheld the edge of liberty from, from the radio and the podcast world. And we'll, we'll talk about why. Our guest today on this podcast is a Twin Cities actor and director, Tim Williams. Tim, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great, actually. Uh, okay. Great to be back with all you guys since the reading of said things that we didn't share with the podcast. So. <laughs> mm, yeah, and uh, you did a fabulous job. We had a lot of fun. The script we're talking about, the concept we're talking about is called The Edge of Liberty. It's something I wrote with a writing partner. I have uh, Abby Lucas. She's been a guest on this podcast. She's fantastic. The reason we didn't record it as a radio presentation reading is because it's something we actually kind of want to produce ourselves and release online. So if you were there at Waldman, fantastic. Thank you for, for coming. We have another reading coming up at Waldman, totally free. You can go to badmouthtc.com. One of our previous guests uh, is the playwright of this play. Amanda, do you want to talk a little bit about A Sure Thing, what we're getting ready to do here on October 30th at Waldman Brewery, the reading? A Sure Thing by Matt Doherty, 7 p.m. at Waldman Brewery, absolutely free. Grab a beverage of your choice. Grab some pickled uh, vegetables, some versht, as Kevin mm. Kautzman would uh, would have you say. And, uh, and yeah, come join us. It's going to be really great. And, you know, we didn't get into it much on the pod, but Matt Doherty is a true Flying V Mighty Duck alum. And we had no idea until after we picked this play, which was so exciting. And I think it's got such a great Midwestern uh, vibe to it. And it's a play that lives in the shadows, kind of takes place in the shadows. And so I feel like maybe that's where a lot of us are at these days, kind of living in the shadows. And so I think I think people are really going to enjoy this one. Yeah. Yeah. So come on out. 
Yeah, and we'll we'll get to Tim here. I want to get to know Tim better. That's why we we asked him to come on. But uh, one final time, October thirtieth, Waldman Brewery, seven p.m. RSVP free. It's a ten dollar minimum. You're going to want to spend the money at Waldman anyway. I like to say their versed is the best. Haha. And here's the uh, here's the synopsis that uh, Mr. Doherty shared with us um, about his uh, his script, which is a banger. Uh, here's what he here's what he sent. A steelworker facing furloughs yet again feels they have no choice but to pony up the scratch for a slot machine jackpot scam. Since his friend from prison swears it's a sure thing. Hey, that's the title. Even if the opportunity risks his freedom and his marriage, he feels if he can utilize the principles his wife lives by in abundance seminars, he'll be able to be seen as the hero again, as long as he somehow manages to keep his mother-in-law from submarining the whole play by trying to get one more good piece of action before she dies a sure thing matthew doherty october 30th it's gonna be it's the best ticket in town st paul waldman brewery october 30th all right tim hopefully we sold you i hope i oh boy yeah actually i probably will be there actually now oh yeah uh uh, that sounds interesting but also the whole slot machine thing just sounds so uniquely midwest (laughs) it really is absolutely yep Mm, yeah Boy, I mean, I, I wish I had inherited like a, a constellation of scams in this economy, right? Like right. cigarette <laughs> machines, slot machines, whatever. Leave me something. You got to leave your children something to survive in this in this economy. Uh, <laughs> and now, Tim, let's get to know you. So you were in The Edge of Liberty, and thank you yes. for sharing your talent with us. Uh, you're you're an actor and a director. Let's talk about the acting part first. Are you are you from uh, Minnesota? Where did where did you first begin acting? Let's start with those obvious questions. I first began a- acting in uh, at a middle school in Hoyt Middle School in Des Moines, Iowa, in two thousand seven, and I played one of the alligators in a play about I think the three pigs. I don't remember exactly. I just had one line, and I saw the recording of it, and I never want to see that recording again. <laughs> <laughs> what was the line? Do you remember the line? I do. I do remember the line. It's we know. But the thing is, my other two people would very like not say it very loudly. And so I would overcompensate. And so all they heard was we know really loud. And so I'm just (laughs) like, yeah, first time. Hey, there are there are no what do we say in the theater? There are no small alligators. I think is right. what we say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that kind of just kicked it off. And uh, my older brother was also really involved in it. In fact, uh, for the longest time, uh, we were kind of in kind of like inseparable with that because uh, he liked theater, I like theater, and I get people like, "Are you sure you like theater? Or you just like theater because your older brother likes it?" And I'm like, "I like it because I like it." Sort of deal. So. Uh, yeah, and then I went to college in Iowa for it. I uh, went to Simpson College, uh, where I uh, did acting as well as directing, and also uh, got a fair deal of interest into sound design as well. Um, did a bit of that, and then moved up here to the Twin Cities in 2016. So, all right, okay. I've done theater in Des Moines. I had a reading of one of my plays at like right in the little downtown. It's a cute little, cute little city. Oh I yeah, like oh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, yeah, because the big thing is like around the time I decided to move up to the Twin Cities, uh, because I had just done a show at the Des Moines Playhouse. Actually, it was uh, 
12 Angry Men and I was uh, being a routine performer for uh, a murder mystery company called The Dinner Detective. And uh, I... Uh, I'll tell a funny story about that, the dinner detective and, uh, 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 12 angry men in a second. But basically I was just like, I wanted like something to where, cause like in Des Moines, cause somebody said like, what's the difference between like Des Moines theater and like Minneapolis theater and Des Moines theater was like, well, there's a opportunity, three or four opportunities every three to four months. Whereas Minneapolis, there's a opportunity like three to four opportunities every three to four weeks more or less so i was like i like that idea more and so i wanted to give it a shot so uh 2016 moved up here uh and then uh, i couldn't get cast to save my life for like a year (laughs) and my first show actually was a fringe show it was with uh, Imagine Theater, uh, and it was a show called Facility. And that show uh, was the first time I'd ever played. I don't want to say a villain because, like, the director slash playwright was like, he's not a villain, but he does do bad things. Uh, mm. So Facility actually took place in uh, in a mental, like, in a uh, old folks home memory care facility. Mm. And I played the uh i played the uh main caretaker for the main character of the show uh which was played by um i am blanking on his name now no no worries yeah yeah his name was paul and uh that guy he was a beast so he would he was like almost 70 and before every performance would like pound out 25 push-ups and smoke a cigar (laughs) i'm like I want to be you when I'm like 70 years old. So <laughs> that rocks. Right. And so this particular show that we had, I, uh, so it's found out later that some of his stuff has been disappearing. It's been like having this wave with all of the elderly patients. And it's kind of revealed that it's, uh, my character that's doing it. And so, uh, when we were running through the process, I remember just having a lot of, uh, difficulty with it at first. And then, uh, one of the probably the fun parts of it was just finding like where to relate to a character like this because this character he was a bit of a he was a bit of a butt so, <laughs> uh, and so he I had a little trouble with it at first but then I was like no wait a minute I think the connecting line that I found that was really interesting with it was he actually um, was having a really bad day at work and so when you have a really bad day at work you start to cut corners and when you start to cut corners then you start to be a little bit meaner. He's a guy who, sure, he might have enjoyed doing this job when he first done it, but now it's been like five to ten years of doing the job, and he's like, ah, I thought I'd be elsewhere by now, moving on to the next best thing. And I think that's caused him to start to resent that, and so that's kind of how I played that character. So that made that that made that a whole lot of fun and very interesting. And then when we got to actually performing the show, I got a lot of interesting responses from it because uh, a lot of uh, old folks nursing care came to see that show and one lady was like come up to me and goes i know you're an actor but i really wanted to kick your butt during that show and i was like <laughs> i'm a nice guy i swear so... yeah, yeah. that's the like greatest of... compliment right yeah so i'm just like all right i'll take that <laughs> say talk uh, to paul my bodyguard so you did some care you did some character work to just like find your way in uh yeah, to that yeah 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 that was probably the one of the more fun roles i've ever played so um and then 
uh after that uh i did i had like a down year and then in 2019 i uh i did a lot of shows in 2019 before it stopped i did human combat chess and uh that was so much fun i would love to do it again uh and during that time uh because it was fun because uh you have to create a character and everything and so uh what so, i did is... hang on so i don't know anything about human combat chess i mean i can imagine what it sounds i mean it sounds like maybe people play chess and you act mm-hmm. out it's like part I, you tell me so what i like to call it it's like the wwe meets medieval warfare more or less and so what happens is there's these two groups that pretend to be teams and the the literal lore and dramaturgy of this is probably the most impressive part of it is the team that behind it like they have a full league created and they can go back and tell you each team's like when they started what their draft was like and like how they're doing currently in the polls for that particular year and everything they have like a like a total record of mm-hmm. human combat chess this is a this is a bit of an aside but i just did um uh, a different podcast i do i did a long episode they're all long episodes about samuel beckett and i learned that samuel beckett is the only nobel prize winner who is in the massive book of cricket for the same thing they do that if you play high level cricket they have a book that's like the master book of all the cricket matches going back over a hundred years and apparently samuel beckett was a very high level cricket player in any event probably a little more serious of a sport that you know cricket but over human combat chess but go on i want to hear i want to hear more about this and so what would happen was uh they had these teams and when you get cast you get put on a team so for mine i was I was put on the red team and I don't remember the names of it now, but uh, we had literally we would rehearse when we would do rehearsals as a team. And then for the most part, the people who would be at the rehearsals would most would be the combatants. And then there'd be specific rehearsals that would include the non-combatants. And I was a non-combatant for this one. But uh, what they would do is they would have a whole lot of like how to build your character because the big thing is you're on stage the whole time with everybody and so you still have to be that character no matter what and so we uh so i came up with a character uh so when they said about about it one of the first rehearsals they're like all right when you come back we want a name and i had a name but we had to workshop it a little bit because i my the only name i came up with was muttons and so <laughs> that's a good name that's a very yeah. good funny medieval name muttons right? i like yes. and so what happened and for a little bit later is literally uh when we got to the show i actually shaved this part and so i had like the whole mutton thing going oh yeah and mutton chops yeah, it's perfect yeah. it's perfect and so I told them about it too. And they're like, I like it, but I need a first and last name. And I was like, fine. So then I believe, uh, no, actually it wasn't mutton. It was mittens. Sorry. Oh, mittens. Name. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cause, uh, what happened was is I still had the mutton chops, but I always would like wrap with like boxing tape, making it look like I had mittens on and everything. And so, uh, the name was <laughs> the final name that we came up with was, uh, James mittens Moriarty. So, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, and then I would always wear like a newsboy cap and everything, so I'd look like I was just straight out of Glasgow, ready to box. So, uh, yeah, Mari, I have what well, I have a clarifying question about yes. human combat chess. Were you a chess piece? Were you a rook? A yes. pawn? What piece were you? 
I was a uh, I was a pawn actually, and so uh, during the show they had the whole like what would happen scripted. They wouldn't they wouldn't play it live and everything, and so they had combatants, and so that's why they would those were the ones who would actually like move pieces and everything, and then they had non combatants. Uh, if I remember correctly, I moved like one space forward, but never fought anybody. And then uh, everybody else were the pieces I had to fight. Like uh, there was, they had every piece on the board and everything. And I think for ours, there was a pawn that literally fought like all the way up, like fought three fights and fought all the way to the queen. And by the time they got to the queen, they had like, and they had nothing in the gas tank. So <laughs> the queen. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. So the queen of the other team that we fought during this time too actually had like such a reputation because he had been one of those guys that had been there from the inception of it that literally like this is where i say wwe it was the equivalent of somebody going somebody new going up against the undertaker so Mm. gotcha you get this this lowly pawn you know meets uh hulk hogan right and so literally Mm. it was just kind of like that all right, because uh, it was kind of like, uh, can this uh, can this little engine that could actually do it? And no, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, and it was a it was a heck of a lot of fun, and I was like creating characters. Uh, and the thing is, when the fu- one of the funniest notes that I actually ever got in that one is we would get so into because like we'd always we'd have to be like cheering on our team and everything too and uh one of the notes we got they're like all right those of you who are in the show we need you to quiet it down you're a little too loud because uh we need to be able to hear those who are the kings make their moves and so we had to basically as i called it a controlled excitement sort of deal so we had to be like yes but not the full loud yes sort of deal and so that one was really a whole heck of a lot of fun uh i did it with uh uh art and arms and six elements theater uh it used to be six elements theater now but i think it's like they're literally called human combat chess league now so that's awesome right it was a lot of yeah I've, you're talking about this like this is something that I everybody should know about, but I can it guarantee really you that everybody doesn't know about this. So I'm okay. I'm a little bit surprised, and I want to let's let's get at it. Like it, people, is this ticketed? People pay yeah. you know, tickets. Yeah. Those, where where are the performances? Where do they happen? Is it happen like monthly well, or what? what is I it? will yeah. say this: um, I don't think it's come back from COVID quite yet. Okay. All right. work, mm. And I have heard that they're like working on it and such, but it hasn't like come back from COVID yet. So okay. and, and do the same people come back to play the same pieces? And is it a new chess game every time? It is a new chess game every time. Because uh, what happens is the games you guys see are going to be the semifinal and the final. And so they think they run two weekends and the first weekend is the semifinals. And then the last weekend is the finals where it's the other two teams, but they have that all planned out about who's going to be the last two in the center. And so uh, some people will have to learn like uh, one fight for their one show, but then they have to learn another fight for the other part going forward and everything. And so, uh, yeah. Uh, Are there weapons? Yes, I, have, I think oh I have God. a new career career goal. <laughs> yeah, I this mean, is some bucket list stuff. I don't even yeah, really this is act, awesome. but I used to so, fence. I mean, this sounds fun. So there's a there's actually a place called Northern Edge Armory. Uh, plug for them. <laughs> um, they supply so much of the stage weapons, and I use them actually when I directed for a high school theater because they they have really great like stage weaponry and such. And uh, Dave, he would supply 
I think, nearly all the weapons for the show. And that's, I'm talking that's easily 50 piece, like 50 weapons for uh, the whole show. Because and every corner, because what happens like on the stage is they'd have like a chess mat out and everything. And on the corners, they would have literally like just, it looked like your typical like weapon thing that you'd find in a knight's barrack. So <laughs> uh, then when they actually get into like, uh, two pieces contesting a spot, they would actually choose the person who's attacking gets to choose the weapon they fight with. And so the weapons vary. And because what happens is they bring in a bunch of choreographers from across like Minnesota and such. And I think in a, a couple other places and just uh, they choreograph different ones because there's the coolest one I saw was literally rope and dagger. Because what that Ooh. one had, yeah, what that one has is they had literally like a rope tied around each one of their arms and a dagger in the other. And uh, they ended up so they couldn't exactly not be close while fighting. So that one was the coolest one I've ever seen. So, <laughs> so if you choose your weapons, mm-hmm. how are the fights? Are the fights choreographed before? Yes. I would assume. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So how if you if you have to is it are the weapons predetermined? Is yes, the asking. weapons. Are, oh, okay. Yes, the okay. weapons are predetermined and everything. Because uh, what happens during that, especially in the choreography process that I gleaned from talking to other people about it. What they do is they're like, all right, so tell us about this character that you created and what's going to happen with them. And then they're like, okay, so what do you think your character would pick for a weapon? And so in that particular one, they're like, well, let's do rape. Let's do the knife and the rope thing. And so, uh, yeah. And so then they would choreograph it to that. And then uh, they would always go back to like, would your character lose easily or would your character be like... uh, stick it out tough it out sort of deal because like uh for the pawn who had fought in three and fought the queen and everything that was actually just a two move fight and so the move number one was the pawn attacking and the move number two was the queen literally disarming them disarm like it was literally just like a one two and then done and like when i was in it uh during the actual like run of the show uh <laughs> Because I was on the losing side, I was like, ah, that pissed me off. But now that I'm like past it, I'm like, that is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. So <laughs> I found yeah. an article. Hang on. I found an article from the prim, uh, from the uh, Pioneer Press. And then, Mari, I saw you had something. But it, this is from 2014. Is this? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know yeah, the article that I'm talking about? Okay, I'm going to yep. read it. I'm going to read a little bit of it. Think of human combat chess as a show for theater goers looking to get their nerd on. Our biggest audience is nerds, says performer Scott Reefer, who includes his own Dungeons and Dragons playing self in that number. Reefer describes human combat chess as akin to world wrestling entertainment, but with less spandex and more broadswords. And it talks about the show, which then was opening in Minneapolis, begins much like a regular game of chess writ large. The audience is arrayed around an enormous chessboard on which human performers play the pawns, rooks, and others. Their moves are ordered by opposing kings. There's a large video screen that also displays each move. Uh, mm-hmm. The combat <laughs> part comes into play when one piece tries to take a square occupied by another piece, resulting in a duel with swords, fists, rapiers, or several other weapons that nerds like. I'm almost done. There is, however, some debate as to uh, what constitutes a nerd and as to whether human combat chess participants qualify. And then uh, they have a quote. We've had discussions about what defines a nerd, says Steffi O'Brien, who is a queen in the game and not sure where she falls on the nerd scale. If loving books and classical music defines me as a nerd, then yes. 
And also loving to swing swords at people's head, Reefer. Reefer said. Okay. Oh, and then yeah. he's, yes. yeah, these yeah, are yeah, our people. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah, very fun. Yeah. Mari, Mari, you had a you had a question. I just Tim, I have to ask, where did you find out about this? Uh honestly, uh I actually had auditioned for that show twice. The first year was 2018, and I didn't get in because uh I think I had like a, a little too many schedule conflicts. But the second year I was able to get in uh, in 2019, and I found them both on Minnesota Playlist, so a plug for there. <laughs> Friends of the show, Minnesota Playlist. Very cool. Well, hopefully this comes back at some at some juncture. Tim, do you play chess? Do you? Uh, you yeah, a, yeah, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I work in education and everything, and that's one of the things that my students like to play a lot, because uh, whenever I see they have free time, uh, I see them online playing chess, and sometimes I'm like, I get it, but like, you have to do your homework. So, <laughs> mm, mm, uh, right, so yeah, yeah mm, I mm. end up playing a lot. And then, like, I remember one particular year before break, uh, like, right when we were, it was like the day before like winter break and everything. And I was like, they're not going to do anything. So we played chess the whole time. So <laughs> that's awesome, it's, though. It's such a great mm, game. I oh, mean, yeah. for strategy, problem solving, you know, thinking three, five, six moves ahead. It's great. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. So I kind of did the same thing. So I ran uh, a podcast, actually, up until this month that just finished up. It was a uh, TTRPG podcast, and uh, we were playing uh, a Blades in the Dark style podcast where they basically played a bunch of thieves that kind of banded together to become heroes. And uh, uh, what happened was every time, every session is basically called like a heist and such. And the final heist, each player had their own individual like heist they had to do sort of deal. And one of the characters was literally playing a chess game and talking about how he toppled uh, the evil guy's empire during that. So it was really cool. I loved it. So, <laughs> so you ran a podcast that was based on this uh, role playing game that you were you were playing. Yeah, it's uh so the podcast is called Des Moines and Dragons and uh what it is <laughs> Des Moines and Dragons. Yes. So, uh, a friend of mine started mm-hmm. that in like 2019 where he had a bunch of like uh improv artists and comedians from Des Moines. Uh they started a uh a uh, D&D podcast and they played a whole campaign of D&D and then he's been slowly expanding it ever since and so they actually instead of D&D we've been playing like all the games instead of just focusing on that one. So we have we've had a campaign of uh, Warlords. We've had a campaign of uh, uh, Genesis. Uh, we just finished a campaign of Blades in the Dark, and these are all different TTRPG games that are not D and D as well. So, and I know there's an audience for this. Some of the top podcasts are <laughs> like just D and D pods. I mean, or, and I that's a world that I don't know much about outside of my own youth like you know like <laughs> anybody else when i was a teenager um i i dabbled with that stuff but uh yeah so i mean are are the the high the top podcasts do they literally just play through campaigns and they get that giga popular is it that much of a thing yeah so I, I'll take the most popular one out there right now. Critical Role is the big thing that's really enticing about it is the fact that it's uh, voice actors playing the role and everything, and uh, the person DMing it is creating everything from scratch. And they are they are like literally considered one of the best out there. They're, they're almost like they're elevating it. It's like a form of improvisational theater, really. Oh yeah, it's impro- mm-hmm. yeah, it's really excellent, high level improvisational theater, and it's. 
is amazing um and basically that's why people really like it is because of like it's also it's like listening to a story but it's also a game sort of deal so super fun well yeah, you I already have some... yeah go on oh yeah. sorry no i i have some actors that i uh, young actors that I met in DC when I was living there, and they're now out in LA, and they have a podcast called uh, Venture Forth, and um, it's a D and D podcast, and they have pretty good following on social media, and yeah, they love it, and their fans are wild about it, and it's great, and they're Ooh. all super talented, you know, voiceover actors, actors, mm-hmm. combatants, and so it's really, really entertaining. Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like the the ability, not to mention like the probably the funnest part about it is like being able to uh, cohesively create a story with other people, and that's probably my biggest draw to it. So I, I've said this before on the pod, and I, I don't think this is a, an extravagant statement, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to say it, but that's an American form of theater, tabletop role playing right next to musical theater. It probably even has more reach than musical theater in terms of like people who are actively participating in that type of stuff right now. It's I a mean, their audience. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually doing live shows because I think there was one at like stage uh, the state theater about a month back that did a live performance of just a D session and everything that that blows my <laughs> that absolutely blows my mind when i think back to my own childhood in the 80s and the 90s it's to you never would have ever thought that that could have happened right so, and like one of the things when i uh taught theater i actually uh because a lot of the kids i taught with they're like oh improv that's scary i don't want to do that and i was like well, you know, most of you improv every week. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you play D&D, right? And they're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> the theater! Right? Uh. And, so, and so I'm like, that's literally what you do. And the kid who said it was the DM, too. So I'm like, I know you're lying. <laughs> right? And he, and, yeah. he could, he, you could, and he could direct, right? Mm-hmm. The, that's mm-hmm. a natural move, for mm-hmm. sure. And, and Tim, I wanted to pivot to that side of your career. So you also uh, direct. Yes. So uh, around 2018, 2019, I actually directed a couple shows uh, with Eden Prairie's uh, community theater out there. They have this really great uh, fall fall show called The Collection of One X, which are a bunch of shows that haven't been published at all or haven't even been performed. And so what they do is they uh, take a collection of these. Most of them are like 10 minutes because usually it's like six or seven shows. And then they get different directors to just come in and direct those things. And so uh, I directed a show called, uh, the first one was called, uh, I think it was called Red Roses at a Funeral was the first one. And it was about uh, a guy who had gone mountain climbing with a buddy and the buddy died and now he's attending his funeral where he has to first have the interaction with his the character's wife and it's tense and everything and the actors i had they were absolutely lovely people and uh it was a really fun thing but i remember the probably the funniest part of that one was it was september and one of my actors had to be dressed like he was on a mountain and so he was like bundled up for like negative 20 degree weather and it was 90. So, <laughs> Whoa. I just remember like one particular performance after he gets done, he literally just stands up, pulls down like, because he had like the balaclava mask too, pulls it down and just, I just see him just go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you go drink water, sir. So, <laughs> the things that we'll do for art. I did not right. know, this is a total aside, but I uh, did not know that when you climb a, a very ha- a tall mountain, you climb like Kilimanjaro, mm-hmm. you get like 
you start to go crazy apparently oh, yeah. you're and familiar with this yeah yeah because uh that's one of the things that we we did in that particular scenario i was like okay so one of the things i like to do as a director and i took this into uh when i was running the uh a educational theater program was before the start of every show i would actually interview the characters uh the cast as if they were their characters and so i would ask them questions about like okay so uh tell me a little bit about yourself or something like that and this one i was like so how did so and so die and so uh they actually educated me on that because they're like oh i've been waiting for this question they broke character for a second they're like i've been waiting for this question i've been researching it i was like i love it so uh basically they researched about like mountain madness and basically they said he ended up just walking off the side of a cliff because he thought there was more cliff there (laughs) and because what happens in the play is the other guy starts to get dragged down uh but has like a like a mountain pickaxe embedded in the in the mountain holding him but he's starting to slip off of it and to save himself he literally cuts the rope on the guy letting him go Uh and so uh that's what he said was like oh yeah it was mountain madness and that he literally thought there was more cliff there and just walked straight off the side so so he have to do with the altitude yeah you're mm -hmm. right yeah i think it's uh, a heavy yeah, because I think if it's like if you don't have an oxygen mask and oxygen properly flowing, that could be something that happens with that. So <laughs> my my friend Brad talked about this because he climbed Kilimanjaro and I didn't realize this. And we were we were hanging out around a campfire and he just he started uh, describing it to me and his brother was seeing like children running through the dark like that you start to go you really start to go nuts and then you could also get mm. extremely like snappy and angry mm. at the people around you and he says the and then of course they're um they're helpers because you don't just go up you don't just land in africa and go up the mountain you have people who mm-hmm. help uh we're just chuckling because they know and they've it, you can acclimate to it you can learn how to you know over time you get used to it but anyway yeah at the they mountains like, of madness yeah they were on. they were like this is a tuesday so <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 taking these americans up um <laughs> to kilimanjaro how, how's that for a job right. um so tim were you always a director so you were an, you were an alligator first and then when so, did you, <laughs> yeah. uh directing actually came my senior year of college um so for the senior thesis actually so we had th- four productions a year this the fourth one was always done by the seniors and so uh ours was uh I, I don't remember the exact name that they called it, but uh, it was like uh, thesis-led productions, and then they had a certain theme. So when I did it, I we were doing uh, the complete works of Moliere and everything. And so uh, we researched like Commedia dell'arte and such. And in fact, actually, and this is probably the coolest part of this whole thing, is on campus, a physics professor when he was younger actually did Com- Commedia dell'arte. Um, that's awesome yeah and so they brought him in and he just gave us the whole rundown and one of the coolest things that we did and i think that's probably like one of the things that really stuck out to me about this particular one is in between shows we would do commedia dell'arte bits uh the seniors and everyone and so they had uh they have always have these certain roles and we actually created one so uh we created so in commedia dell'arte they always have somebody who's miserly and rich and such like that they always have a pair of young lovers uh they always have a jester and then they always have 
uh, I'm blanking on it, but those are the ones they have. And yeah, they have stock characters. Yes, stock characters. Yeah. Yeah. And so we created kind of our own set of stock characters. So we had the producer, which was the uh, guy who played who had done it before and then they had the director which was me in that particular one and then they had the script writer who was always the one who was overworked with making everything great and then they had the act the uh we had an actor uh who was always the overly dramatic one and then the jester was literally a custodian that would always be brought on because he happened to just be there (laughs) (laughs) and oftentimes uh literally uh, he he would only have like one line, and his one line would just be yes. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, and so we would do these scenes and everything, and then uh, we would do a show, and we did three shows during that time, and my show was like the middle show in between, and uh, I had an actor drop out actually before the show went on like a week and a half beforehand. Oh, the only thing worse (laughs) than an actor dropping out is an actor staying in the show when they shouldn't. That's the only worst Mm. thing. Like if an actor has to drop out, you kind of maybe go like darn, but also if it's for a good reason or they're not in it. Yeah. Go on, go on. And so uh, this is, and the replacement part is what made this so memorable about this is my professor, the producer, came up to me and was like, so we don't have anybody because we need to cast like 30 to 40 people and the whole cast was in it by this point. And they're like, so we don't have anybody. But I was thinking, what if we did a hand puppet? Mm. And I was like, go on. And they're like, <laughs> what if you operated a hand puppet? And I chimed back. I was like, what if it was a sock puppet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what what we did is like literally right before I went on, we just said so and so, so and so. This actor is out sick. What are we gonna do? And I literally sit there. I'm wearing socks with sandals because my outfit was ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm tapping my foot. And then I look down. I goes, I've got a great idea. I run off stage. And then I come back in with a literal just a sock puppet going around. <laughs> did it, and did it? Uh, did it kill? I mean, oh my god, yes. Yeah. There was one. Great. There was there was one scene where he had to hide. So I literally just put myself against the wall and just went. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and the, and I love the actor who did this part for it. Uh, in fact, actually, I think he's up in the Twin Cities now. Uh, Brandon Herring. Uh, he came up to. He would. He came up. Oh, you know Brandon Herring? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I do. Just came to life. Okay. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Okay, so Brandon was in a Clue with me at Theater La Hamadou. He's so funny. He's okay. so so funny. He's, I, he's great. I yeah. So Brandon, uh, I actually uh, acted with him in college, and our first show together was uh, I don't remember the name, but we 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 uh, his first show. Uh, I was the only other guy role with him in that one, so we had like plenty of time to talk about it and such. And then I cast him for my uh, senior show, and he was like the main character in that. And so he would come up and you're like. He came up to me, and this was one really lovely improv bit that he did that I loved. He came up to me like, "Did you find them?" And I and me having the sock puppet would just have it like this, like hidden in a cart, and then I myself would shake my head like I didn't see him. So <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was honestly a really fun time. And then I also had to come up uh, with an interesting thing because because this guy had to play two people at once he ended up having to like uh and brandon actually had to hop from the kind of balcony of the set to a cart and then run back upstage again so a lot of just crazy antics that i was like when i first started i was like 
how are we going to do this? And then we pulled it off. So I was like, that's cool. So that was my first foray into directing. And then uh, I directed those uh, uh, those pieces at uh, Eden Prairie. And then uh, around that time, I was still working in education. And I saw that the uh, program director for uh, the theater had actually opened up. And I was like, well, I want that. <laughs> and so... Uh, what happened was, is I had actually just gotten like into a grad school program to start teaching and such. And so uh, like a week or so prior, I got hired as like a halftime teacher, halftime para at uh, the high school that I work at. And then uh, I saw that the theater director position as like an after school position. So I applied there. And then uh, within the span of 24 to 48 hours, I went from half time to full time and then getting that position as well, and the theater director position as well. And uh, when I had taken it, this was like 2021. So it was like right out the gate from COVID and everything. And so a lot of the students thought that this program was just going to be dead. And so when we had our first like introduction of it. They're like, uh, they're like, this pro. We thought this program is dead. What's your plan to revitalize it? And I was like, uh, teach you guys theater and show you why I'm so passionate about it. So, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and so one of the things I did is like, uh, the first show we ever did was Noises Off, actually, and uh, we did Noises Off in seven weeks. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and- well. Yeah, and that and that's such a great example of like how the stock characters from Commedia dell'arte came back and are mm-hmm. modernized. You have the actor, the you know, the bumbling uh mm-hmm. stage manager and the the really shy person and the diva and the you know, the demanding director and you yes. know, all sorts of like wonderful characters that everybody, you know, has come to know and love and and inform, you know, even sitcoms. So oh, yes. that's awesome. Right. And so that was one of the first dramaturgical things I had. And then we were we get running through the show and everything. And needless to say, doing noises off in seven weeks is a choice. Because <laughs> when it first started, I was like, oh, we're going to do uh, something simple, something one singular set. Because I didn't even have a tech guy to build my sets yet. I was like, one singular set, we'll do 12 Angry Jurors. And they're like, oh, we did that two years ago. And I'm like, okay. So we swung for the fences and did uh, noises off. And... Uh, we were still painting the set when we opened. So, uh, but yeah, that show went, uh, and the kids that we, that I had in it, they were just very dedicated. Uh, it was the first show I had nine roles and I had 10 people audition. And so I was like, all right, at least got enough to cover it, the whole thing. And so that's, that's uh, a big show. That is, a it is big a big show. show. That is a big show, but towards the end of it, I'd actually get 40 people auditioning for shows. So, uh, so it was really, really, really good. So, uh, what happened was then with this, so I had like the nine main roles and then one person got to pick a role that they understudy. And so we did the show and there's a couple funny moments that went unscripted, but the kids really like improv the stuff and I was so proud of them for it. So one of the moments as you know, how they like in the act two where everything is just crazy and they take the uh they take like this whole plate of sardines and they dump it on two characters and everything well for during rehearsal i had a plate that was porcelain and i was like oh this is gonna break so i took it out well night of the show the somebody grabs it and puts it back in and oh (laughs) it gets better (laughs) the particular the particular actress handling this stuff because the one thing is is i had uh i had exactly 
two guys auditioned for the show and so i gender swapped a lot of like roles for this one and so i and so and they the kids loved it and so uh and so basically the character gary throws the thing but the character's hands are really sweaty and so it literally just goes right out like a frisbee and i'm oh. and i'm talking from the second floor part of the balcony and oh, so no i am watching I, <laughs> I am watching in the booth just going like this about to rip my hair out as the thing just careens off the side lands in the center of the stage and busts into a million pieces oh how did they, yeah so they all just they all just stopped for like a dead second for looking at it but no this gets better they stop for a second enough to like process it and then the the actress who played tim oh my god i love her she's currently at augsburg uh did uh Macbeth last year was great Uh, um she literally just grabbed a small like set dressings uh broom and then just started trying to sweep it up as we go (laughs) and i'm like that is how you do it yes (laughs) there are some professional actors that i've seen where uh, like an earring or something will drop and they'll just look at it Mm -hmm. not knowing what to do and it's like it just drops it's happened it's happening and you look at it and you just deal with it so kudos to them and kudos for you right right and so afterwards i told him the story because in college i had a i was in a show with a guy and he had a fly literally land on his face and crawl like all the way up through here and the director afterwards goes what why would you do that? <laughs> like, why wouldn't you just go? It's okay. To Wipe do away that. the fly. Why? It, it's it's really happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. I, and so, I mean, I'm a terrible actor, and I I definitely know what it's like to be on stage and to corpse yeah. and to oh, totally. and to yeah. And I'm just I when I acted, I was just on a track for most of the time. <laughs> I was all a blur for me. Uh, I, I I I'm sure that that's not what you want to be doing. You want to be in the moment, right, Amanda? Right, right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Tim. Yep. And so, and so, uh, yeah. So the 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 kids did great, and they really loved that show. Another section we had. Uh, so to move all these pieces, we actually had a very small theater, but we had a like probably the biggest set they've ever seen in there, because it was full, two stories, and it could rotate. So uh, when they did the rotations and everything at the very end, when everything's going crazy and they're trying to close the curtains, uh, they have to actually remove one of the sets of stairs and move it forward. And one of the nights, one of the nights, one of the actresses, because it's like they're bolted on by metal hinges and they're supposed to just literally take out the bolt and then move it. She couldn't get the bolt because her fingers were slippery and broke the metal hinge at the hinge. (laughs) And so um, afterwards, I told him, I was just like, hey, I I need you to not Hulk out and destroy my thing. (laughs) I told the tech director about that. The tech director just went, really? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and so we replaced it with a screw that they would only screw like a third of the way down oh man but <laughs> but my set movers screwed it all the way down and the thing is about that long sure it's about uh this is an audio podcast so it's yeah, about so six inches long it's five, about six, six inches, inches long, long. Yeah, and so yeah. they screw it all the way down and so during the end of the show she's I mean, she's like, hold on, almost got it. <laughs> Don't worry, Billy. And then, she does, and then when she does, because she's like, 
Oh, I finally got it free. She grabs it and she literally flings the thing. And these the, the stairs are on wheels. And so I'm in the oh. audience watching as it's careening towards the edge because we have like a thrust proscenium sort of deal. And it's careening towards the edge. And I'm just like, do I have to run on stage to stop this? And it literally just cl- slides all the way to the lip of the stage and stops. And I'm oh. just like, it's like shuffleboard. So- <laughs> you scored some points yeah. in uh, theatrical <laughs> shuffleboard. Yeah, exactly. So afterwards, I go up to that students. And I was like, please don't frisbee my stairs into an audience <laughs> or or frisbee real porcelain. Real porcelain. Right, that too. That was literally like the day before. And that was like the second day of the run. And so uh, I joke all around about, I was like that, that show took like 15 years of my life. <laughs> These are some very strong teenagers. Right? Yes. Because <laughs> like when me and the tech director were talking about it, he looked at it and he goes, he's like, this is, this is steel. How did they do this? I'm like, I don't know. That's pure <laughs> adrenaline, pure, pure right? horror. There's nothing like the 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 power that a teenager can achieve when they feel like they might be embarrassed in front of their peers. Exactly. Like, yes. Yeah. So yeah, good, powerful. But, yeah, and so uh, <laughs> we ended up, uh, and so that's the first show we did, and then we did like the uh, we did. Uh, a collection, not a collection one acts, but one acts, one act play festival. And we had one that would go to the one act competition. And then we have one that would uh, be for the first year. I just directed it. But the second year I wanted the actual students to get involved with it. And so the second year, the other one act show was completely directed and designed entirely by the students. That's awesome. And then the other thing that I had on the flip side of it. Uh, when I was in college, my tech director, as a part of the Kennedy Center for American College Theater Festival for Region 5, would literally host this thing called uh, Stage Crew Showdown. And uh, what it was is, as I like to call it, it was the below decks party on the Titanic compared to the first class party. Because mm-hmm. uh, what it would be is a bunch of stage techs would get together, create like a fun team with like fun uh with like fun uh chants and such and then they would do all of these things while everybody else was just like more or less doing soccer chants in the audience during that time and uh the tech director from my college he would actually run this whole thing and so everybody knew him and like because the one year he did it he had a handlebar mustache and one of the chants was like steve has an epic stash steve has an epic stash (laughs) and so uh, I brought that forward because one of the things I wanted to do is uh, I wanted to, one, give my tech students a chance to shine, and two, use it as a low-key educational thing of like, hey, now I'm going to teach you actually how to hang a light. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, what it was is they would do every, like they would do setting the stage as if it were Olympic relays, and then they would do uh hanging a light as if it were Olympic relays. And then they would do a costume quick change as if it were an Olympic relay. And so the kids loved that. And I actually got like a cup, like a, like a trophy cup that they got to like add a piece to decorate it every year. So. Oh, that's awesome. Right. And so it was really fun. And then uh, last year after my contract wasn't renewed, I just told whoever won it. I was like, you can keep the cup. So, uh, and so, uh, yeah, so that was what we did with the one axe and everything. And then, uh, we did, uh, the musical and the musicals that we did were the first one was little women, the musical and everything. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. so hmm. we did, I, have a, uh, I actually have a buddy who's like a distant 
relation to Louisa May Alcott. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he was reading about his uh, his family and his relatives. And anyway, it's a long story. But yeah, yeah. There you go. Little and women. so, well, fun fact, actually, in our props closet is a first edition uh, book of uh, Little Women. Oh, cool. And, cool. and they wow. use it as a pro- and they use it as a prop. And then I believe oh. uh, and then I believe the senior who played Joe uh, took it when they graduated. So <laughs> they have this thing. They had this what? thing. Called- yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wood, wood. Well, they had this sure. thing called. They had this thing called the senior steal, and what would it be is the seniors would just like sneak into the theater and steal like one thing that meant a whole lot to them. And one senior is like, "Can I take one of the couches?" And I'm like, "You know how hard it is to get a good couch in a theater." No. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing worse is a door, a good right? door. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like, no, I need that. <laughs> It was like well, re- it, it, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, this is the this is mounting off a theater arts and culture podcast from Badmouth Theater Company, BadmouthTC.com. Tim, you're uh, my favorite kind of guest. We just <laughs> we spun you up just a tiny bit, and you mm-hmm. just you just went, and your passion for theater really comes across. If you're not a person who's ever considered doing theater, listen to Tim's enthusiasm for this. We're not going to have enough time to get to the bottom of why we all love this this crazy thing, but you could just go and take a uh, like a community uh, class and a community call, what a community ed acting class. There's nothing stopping you. You don't have to be a teenager. You can be 60 years old and say, uh, you know what? I'm going to try acting. It's really, 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 really fun. And, and, and uh, I really encourage you to, you know, if you're listening to this and, you have, and, and if you, and if you don't want to act or you don't want to participate in the theater, at least go, at least come to the reading that we're going to have later this month of a sure thing at uh, Waldman brewery on October 30th. Everything's at badmouthtc.com. Tim, we we have a, just a couple of minutes left. What do you do you have anything to to promote? Anything to pitch? You mentioned this uh role-playing podcast you have. Yeah, what do you, so, what do you got going uh, on? One of the things I have is I'm currently working with Des Moines Dragons through their podcast. Uh we just finished up a campaign, and uh this next month we're gonna be releasing a kind of debrief talking about like our favorite moments of that. And then another thing I do is I uh am a routine performer through the dinner detective. Uh and so it's a murder mystery show that's uh, you can actually solve actual murders while you're at it. So <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Where can people learn about that? So you can find uh, Des Moines and Dragons uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and most any podcast that you li- places that you listen to. I know SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and then Dinner Detective. Uh, we have a Minneapolis and a St. Paul location, both running different shows, so they're very different. And uh, who knows, you might see me at either one because I do both. So, <laughs> so this Dinner Detective, it's like a uh, dinner and a show. Is that what yeah, it is? It is dinner and a show, and it is mainly improv as well. So. Uh, what it happens in this particular one is you have two detectives leave the show, but the audience doesn't know is that there are seated performers amongst them blending in. Well, now they know. Yeah. Well, now they know. Well, yeah, now they know, but uh, they don't know how many of them are there. Oh, that looks fun. So this this happens at the Double Tree in mm-hmm. in St. Paul. Yep. Okay. And then the other one is the Courtyard Marriott in Minneapolis. Fascinating. Vdinnerdetective.com. Cool. <laughs> All right. So, uh, and this is an audio only podcast, so you don't know how what Tim looks like. So if you go, you know, maybe you'll, <laughs> there be, you you'll, go. Be, you'll be surprised. Yeah, uh, fair. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. Um, Amanda, Mari, I always enjoy doing this podcast with the, with the two of you. Mari, real quick, how are things in New York? You doing all right? Yeah, things are doing pretty good here. Fall has also fallen. It has finally gotten cold. <laughs> okay. Very, 
exciting. We had some heat, even yeah, all up was, in Minneapolis a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, <laughs> it really, really changed. And we're going to do an episode, the three of us, pretty soon where we rattle off what we've got going on. But this has been a real pleasure, Tim. You're always welcome. And if you have something next year, you know, you, you've got a show you want to promote, uh, you, you know, you're certainly welcome to come back on. I'm yep. about to say, I would be more than glad to come in and tell a part two of all my stories because I've got a lot just from like working uh, as a program director for a theater for education. So <laughs> my, my friend, all this, the best stories, <laughs> really, this w- this went so fast. And I podcast a lot. This went really, really fast. And uh, oh, yeah. if anybody uh, <laughs> out there in podcast land has a show they want to promote, you're doing an arts culture type thing in the Twin Cities, email us badmouthtc at gmail.com. We've got an open door policy for people who are making cool stuff in the Twin Cities. We are Bad Mouth Theater Company. This is Mouthing Off. Minnesota Playlist, Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. Adios. Adios.